our hearts. God, that you would open our hearts to receive everything, everything that you have for us today. Lord God, let us be here with great expectation of what you're going to do. Father, I pray if there are anyone that has any doubts here this morning, Father, I pray that they would step out in faith for what you want to do this morning and how you want to pour into our lives and how you want to reach into the recesses of our hearts and bring health and healing and wholeness to our lives, God. So, Father, we pray all these things with great expectation that you will do something in us this morning in a powerful way, Lord God, that we would walk away changed, not because we come to another church service, but because of our encounter with you, Lord. And so we pray this with great expectation in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for joining us this morning. I could hear you guys singing, and you sounded great. So thanks for joining in and worship. I just want to share a couple of things before we get going. As we've been telling you for the last few weeks, we, we're now in the second week of, of this video series, and this is very different for us at Life Fellowship. We've never done this before. But uh, did you enjoy last week's sermon? Yeah, amen, it was good. Well, I think you're really going to enjoy, well, I know you're going to enjoy today, too. And I, I want you to hang with us uh, throughout this series. At Life Fellowship, as in many other churches, we're teaching you the Word of God. We're teaching you the principles and the truths of God. And I love Gateway Church. We've been there on numerous occasions. And I really like the health that I see there. I like the transparency, the authenticity. I like the Word of God being presented in a, in a manner in which people are receiving there are a lot of churches like Gateway and like Life Fellowship that are teaching you the word. And these biblical truths and principles, will only they will only change our life if we choose to implement these things into our lives. It's one thing to know it. It's another thing to implement those things in our life and live those things out. Last week, those of you that were here received a book. How many of you are, have a book and are reading it? Have you started reading it? Good, good, awesome. Yeah, it's good material. How many of you are, are doing the 21-day devotional? How many of you are fasting? Join in a fast. If you missed last week, you can start today. But we're doing a 21-day a fast, and a fast is really just simply not eating, or some people fast different things like social media or sodas or TV or things like that. But the thing is, is pray and ask the Lord what he wants you to fast. Christine and I are doing a Daniel fast, which is no meats, no sweets, no alcohol. We don't drink anyway, so that, that's an easy one. The sweets are a little bit more of a challenge for me. But, uh, and we're probably going to elevate that over the next week, uh, certainly over the next couple of weeks to a full fast of just water. And, and so the thing is, it's not about uh, really not eating and, and those kinds of things. It's really about making a, a determination that you're going to put some things down that you would normally do and set aside some time to really seek the Lord. So it's not just about not eating. It's about taking time to seek him and spend time with him and allow him to speak to you. So at the beginning of the year, this is a great time to do this. At the conclusion of the service, those of you that are here that didn't receive a book last week, you're welcome to take one, and we'll hand those out. The only criteria that I ask is if you get one, I ask you to read the whole thing, okay? So if you take one, I want you to read the whole thing. It's, it's good for you. And then the uh, daily devotional is in the back of the book, so you can jump in. We'll be starting day eight tomorrow, and you can go back and read the other devotionals as well. Uh, and there's some tear-off cards in the back for some scriptures uh, that you can stick on your mirror and things like that. Okay, I think that's really all I wanted to say is that uh, let's just take some time during this fast 
And my, it's my desire that we would all grow spiritually. And let me say one other thing about this, this message and this series that we're going through. Many of you know these principles and truths. Many of you are applying these principles and truths. Some of you are probably not. But so the goal is kind of two-edged here. We want those that don't know these truths and, and understand these principles to begin to understand them and then implement them. But also it's for us to go out and teach others and show others. When we have conversations in our workplace, th this is just another tool to train and equip us. We're about training, equipping, discipling, uh, encouraging, releasing more disciples to go out into the world and make a difference. And so everything that we do, you know our mission statement here, it is to develop, maintain, and model personal intimacy with Jesus Christ. That is the target. That's the goal. And as we're infused with the love of God, then God works through our lives to touch other lives. And as we learn the biblical truths and principles of the word, and we really understand those things, then it helps us to minister to other people in the world that have questions about, well, what does tithing mean? What is first fruits? What does all this stuff mean? What, what are the basic foundational truths and principles of God? And then we can begin to share those things with them. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, he said, I've come that you may have abundant life abundant life. And he wasn't talking to dead people. He was talking about walking in the fullness of life, the spiritual fullness of life. It, it does include our physical life as well, but walking in the fullness of life. And so as we understand these things, then we, we can begin to share with those others that God places in our path. There are people in your life that are not walking in the fullness of life. Listen, if we have the key, what is the key to your life found in Deuteronomy 30 verse 20? The key to your life is to Love God, obey God, and commit firmly to Him. It's really not that hard. But when you say that, what does that, what does that really mean? Well, when you go to the Bible and you learn the truths and principles, this is how we implement to love God, obey God, and commit firmly to Him. So that's the overall uh, approach. But then how do we implement that in our daily life? And how do we help others walk in those things? I want you to repeat this after me. I've come this morning. With great, with great expectation, expectation. To, receive to receive everything, everything. The, Lord the Lord has for us. All right, let's do that now. Well, I want to uh, welcome uh, all the churches that are joining us by simulcast. And we're doing something a little differently this week. We, we developed a ticker to just run at the bottom of the screen right here at the first to be able to show the churches that are joining us. So if you're one of the churches, now let me just say, if CNN and Fox News can do a ticker, Gateway Church can do a ticker. <laughs> just want you to know. But if you're one of the churches that's joining us, they're in alphabetical order. And so you can look and, and see the name of your church and you can give a shout out when you see the name of your church. I do want to just give a, a shout out to all the churches, but also I want to give a shout out to Gateway Church Scottsdale with Pastor Preston. They're joining us. And let's welcome all the churches that are joining us by simulcast. Let's just say welcome to them. So we do, do we do welcome you? That'll run just a little bit longer till we get to the end of the churches. So you guys can keep looking at that if you're uh, at another church and want to see the name of your church. Uh, but let me go ahead and start and tell you the title. Again, we're, we're in a series called The Blessed Life. And the title of today's message 
Um, I got this title from something that I used to say a lot when I was in school. The title of this message is, What Test? <laughs> Any of you relate to this? Did you ever have that experience? You walk into class and everyone's got their books out and they're studying and they say, are you ready for the test? And you say, what test? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do well uh, in school. Um, but I am proud of myself because I graduated in the top 10% of the lower one-third of my graduating class. So I'm proud of myself for doing that. But the reason I named it What Test is because many believers don't know that there's a test in the Bible, and you actually take this test every time you get paid. So let's, let's take a little survey here. Uh, all the campuses and all the churches that are joining us, uh, how many of you get paid once a month? Can I see your hand? Put your hand up. How many of you get paid either every other week or uh, uh, twice a month? Can I see your hand? So that's most of us. How many of you get paid every week? Let's see here. How many of you never get paid? You just, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. But if you ever get paid, you'll take a test. The test is, whom are you going to thank for your income? And you take that test by what you do with the first 10% of your income. Whom are you going to thank? Whom are you going to worship? for your income. You know, some people think Visa. It's the first one they pay. The only problem is that Visa does not have the power to bless your finances, but God does. So uh, turn to two passages, please. Malachi chapter 3, last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3, and then Second Chronicles 31. We'll go over there in a moment, and we're going to go through a lot of scripture in this message, uh, and I want to show you that tithing is scriptural, and it is in God's word. So Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, this is where we'll start. Malachi 3, 6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. That's very important. I don't change. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Now, I think that's humorous. He says, I don't change. That's why I haven't killed you yet, uh, personally. That's what I think he's saying there. I was nice, and I'm still nice, all right? Verse 7, yet from the days of your fathers, you have gone away from my ordinances. Now, we're going to come back to that word ordinance. What does it mean? And have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord of hosts. But you said, in what way shall we return? Now, before we read verse 8, let me just remind you, this is God talking. This is God, the God who does not change. This is the God who does not change talking. He said, you, you, you go away from my ordinances. I just need to probably tell you, the word ordinance means a principle of ordinary behavior. You've gone away from my principles of ordinary behavior for, for God's children. And they say, well, in what way? Now, I want you to notice this because this next verse, a preacher didn't make this up. Okay, this is God speaking. Verse 8, will a man rob God or steal from God? Yet you have robbed me. You've stolen from me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? Now watch again, this is God talking. 
in tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that would be the church, that there may be food in my house. Again, that's the church. And try, the, the old King James uses the word prove, uh, the English Standard Version uses the word test. Test me now in this, says, says the Lord of hosts. I just want you to notice how many times he puts says the Lord of hosts so we remember who's talking here. The one who can't change is talking. Test me, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. This is God talking, and this is the God who can't change. You have to remember that. And he says, you've gone away from my ordinances. You've gone away from my ordinary principles of behavior. Tithing is an ordinary principle of behavior for God's children to thank God for their income, for their harvest, for their increase. That's an ordinary principle. And he said, because you've gone away from my ordinary principles, you're under a curse now. And you need to understand, so many times we say, well, Christians can't be under a curse because Christ bore the curse of the law on the cross. He did. That is in regards to our salvation. But are you saying then that you can live any way you want and, and it doesn't affect you? Is that what you're saying? Because that's, that's just crazy to think that way. See, uh, if, we, if we steal, there are consequences. A curse is a consequence. If you steal, there's a consequence. What if you steal from God? And, and so many people say, well, yeah, but the, the, the Lord owns it all. Yes, but he actually gives us stewardship over it, but he reserves 10% for himself. That's why he says you've stolen, because he says, I have set apart the tithe for the house of God. So if you keep it, you're stealing it. And this word is also used in Joshua 6 and 7 when they took the tithe they were supposed to bring. He said, Israel has stolen, stolen. And again, please, please hear me. I I didn't make these words up. These are strong words. God says, you've stolen from me. You've robbed me. And because of that, you're under a curse. And I don't want you under a curse. I don't want you living under a curse. But you're voluntarily placing yourself under a curse because you're going away from my ordinary principles of behavior. Now, um... I had a conversation with the Lord one time about this passage because this is probably the most famous passage on tithing, although there are many passages on tithing, and I'll show you some of them today. But this is probably the most famous one. And so I had a conversation with the Lord one time, and I said, Lord, uh, uh, the number one reason that I hear that people don't tithe is they say, well, that's in the Old Testament. That's in the Old Testament. And so I said to the Lord, "Um, you know, Lord, you put this in Malachi 3, and then there's Malachi 4, and then Matthew 1. Couldn't you have just waited? I mean, just a little while. I mean, that you know, these verses only miss the New Testament by like 15 verses. I mean, couldn't you just waited just a little while and put it, you know what the Lord said? To him, I just felt in my spirit, he said, I put it right where I wanted it. And the reason is, here's point number one, because tithing is a test. Tithing is a test. See, God is testing our hearts. Even when a person argues about tithing, I think to myself, what is the spirit behind this? 
Why would this person argue when God gave his son for you and you won't even give him 10%? Why would you argue about this? It's amazing to me. I'm telling you, it's a test of your heart. It's a test. Now, uh, I, here's why I believe uh, he chose 10%. By the way, the word tithe uh, is a Hebrew word. Ma'ashra uh, is the Hebrew word. And it means 10th part or 10%. 10th part. 10th. Okay, so that's where we, we get this from that we know it's 10%. Okay. Here's why I think he chose 10%. First of all, I think he chose a percentage because it's fair to everyone. It doesn't matter if you make 30000 or 300000 It's a penny on every dime. It's the same for every person. Uh, but here's the reason I think he chose 10. Because for some reason, many times when you see the number 10 in the Bible, it represents testing. You'll actually see the word test with it. Uh, for instance, let me, let's, let's take a little test, all right? I'm going to ask, ask you a question, and I want you to answer me uh, out loud, uh, all the campuses, all the churches, just say your answer out loud, all right? Here's the first question. How many plagues were there in Egypt? Ten, Ten right? Now, I could have said it a different way. I could have said, how many times did God test Pharaoh's heart? Because that's what he did, but we're familiar with how many plagues there were. All right, here's the second question. How many commandments are there? Ten, Ten okay? Um, now, I'm gonna ask another question, and you might not know this, but there's a, a pattern <laughs> here, okay? And this is in Numbers 14 where God actually says this. You can read it later, all right? But, and then I want you to say your answer just a little louder, okay? Uh, how many times did God test Israel in the wilderness? That's correct. All right. How many times, again, you might not know this, but okay. How many times were Jacob's wages changed? Ten. Ten. God was testing his heart. How many days was Daniel tested? Ten. How many virgins were tested in Matthew 25? Ten. How many days of testing are mentioned in Revelation? Ten. How many disciples were there? No, there were 12. I was just testing you. <laughs> I, was just, just, I was just testing you. So tithing is a test. And, but here's something that you might not know. It's a two-way test. God not only tests you, but this is the only place in Scripture that I've found where God says, you can test me. Test me. This word try, that is sometimes translated test or prove, uh, it comes from uh, the way you test a metal, the way you test gold to see if it's pure. You know what God is saying? Test me to see if I'm pure. Test me. I want you to. I want you to see because I want to open the windows of heaven. I want to bless you. I want to rebuke the devourer for you. But it depends on whether you're going to thank me and worship me and walk in faith and whether you're going to believe that 90% with God's blessing will go farther than 100% without. And you open an area of faith when we do this. Again, I hear people say things like, you know, it was that Old Testament. Or someone will say, well, you know, that's under the law. Tithing was under the law. Well, first of all, I'll show you some scripture that tithing was way before the law, hundreds of years before the law and after the law and in the New Testament. So I'll show you those scriptures, all right? But uh, I don't understand that argument. Well, it was under the law, and I, I'm under grace now. And I'm not saying we do it because obviously we're saved by grace, but there are principles that were under the law that we should still walk in as believers. Thou shalt not commit adultery was under the law. Are you saying as a believer you can, you can walk in adultery and, there, and, and no consequences? Uh, thou shalt not murder was under the law. Are you saying that because it was wrong under the law, now it's right under grace? See, it's crazy. 
All right, let, let me give you an example. Um, uh, Pastor Todd, um, give me your wallet. Just, just give me your wallet, okay? Yeah, there you go. Thanks, okay. I'm gonna keep this because thou shalt not steal was under the law, and I'm a believer, and so I can steal, and it's okay. Okay, let me just ask you something. Is that foolish? Yes. It's crazy. That's crazy. Okay, so I'm, because I'm not gonna keep your wallet, there's not even any money in it. <laughs> so, all right, so there, you can keep your wallet. What'd you do? What'd you do? What did you do? Why is everyone why is everyone laughing? You took your money out? I tell you before the service, I'm gonna do this illustration and you take your money out. I'll get you back. All right. All right, here's number two. Number one, tithing is a test. Here's number two. Tithing is biblical. Biblical. You need to know that it's biblical. There are a lot of people that, that don't tithe, and, and here's really, you're, you're not a bad person if you don't tithe. You're not a bad person. Uh, I'm not saying that at all. Not at all. You're not a rebellious person. But a lot of people don't really believe it's in the Bible. They don't really believe it's for us today. So let me show you some scriptures, all right? We'll get to 2 Chronicles 31 in a moment. Genesis 14, verses 18 through 20. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, Salem means peace, brought out bread and wine. There's a representation of, of communion, even in the Old Testament. He was the priest of God most high. And he blessed him, now that's talking about Abram, Abraham, Abram, and said, blessed be Abram of God most high, possessor of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Now watch this. And he, that's Abram, Abraham, gave him, that's Melchizedek, a tithe of all. You, you need to know, if you don't know this theologically, this is about 500 years before the law. And Galatians says Abraham's our spiritual father. And Melchizedek, Hebrews says, is a type of Christ, and many theologians believe it's actually Jesus Christ because it says he has no gene genealogy. That's what Hebrews says, no mother, no father, no, no beginning of days, no end of life. It's pretty amazing. So it's either Jesus himself or a type of Christ. And our spiritual father tithes, gives 10% 500 years before the law. Because it's a principle. And I'm going to take you next week and show you 2,500 years before the law the same thing. I'll show it to you next week, all right? Look, look at Genesis 28, verse 22. This is talking about Jacob. And this stone which I've set up as a pillar shall be God's house. Again, an implication that the tithe goes to God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. This is about 400 years before the law. Leviticus 27, 30. And all the tithe of the land, all of it, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. In other words, it belongs to God. It is holy to the Lord. Remember the word holy means set apart. God has set it apart for him. That's the only reason he could say, you're stealing from me. Because I set that apart for my house, and if you keep it, then you're stealing it. Uh, Deuteronomy 26, verses 1 and 2. 
And it shall be when you come into the land which the Lord your God has given you as an inheritance and you possess it and dwell in it, that you shall take some of the first, I'll show you next week in just a moment, and later down in this passage, how that refers to the tithe, first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from the land that the Lord your God has given you, and you put it in a basket, now watch this, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide, again, referring to church. Or you go, to, you go to church. You go to a place where the Lord chooses to make his name abide. Then look at verse 13. Then you shall say before the Lord your God, I have removed the holy tithe. In other words, the set apart 10%. The holy tithe from my house and have given them to the Levite, the stranger, the fathers, and the widow. He, he directed where the tithe was to go. According to all your commandments which you have commanded me, I have not transgressed your commandments, nor have I forgotten them. I've not eaten any of it when in mourning. I didn't use some of the tithe when I went through a difficult time. Nor have I removed any of it for any unclean use. Think about how sometimes we use our money actually for sinful purposes. And some of it, and we might be using the tithe. It's just amazing to me how the Bible says this. Nor given any of it for the dead. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord my God and have done according to all that you have commanded me. Look down from your holy habitation from heaven and bless your people. I've removed the holy set apart tenth part from, from my house and I've given it, brought it to your house, Lord. And now, he says, you, after you do that, you can pray this prayer. Look down from heaven and bless your servant. Okay, let me ask you a question, all right? If Jesus himself, if Jesus himself said you ought to tithe would you tithe? Okay. I'm going to go ask these people over here. Y'all okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let me ask all of you, okay? Campuses, all the churches. If Jesus himself said you ought to tithe, would you tithe? Okay. Here's the sad part. Some of us still have to think about it. That the one that bled and died on the cross... If he said you ought to give 10%, we still have to think about it. Okay. So, let me put it another way. If Jesus said it, that you ought to tithe, in the New Testament, in red, <laughs> would you do it? You want to see the verse? Matthew 23, 23, Jesus is speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe, 10%, of mint, anise, and cumin. Those are spices. And have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faith. Watch very carefully. These you ought to have done without leaving the others undone. Okay, here's what Jesus said. You guys give tithes, not only of your first fruits, but you even give tithes of the spices that you're going to put on your food. But you've neglected justice, mercy, and faith. Then Jesus says, you ought to do that. You ought to do that but don't leave the other undone. 
Now, one time after service, a, a guy came up to me and said, Pastor, I think that these you ought to have done refers to justice, mercy, and faith. I said, I don't, I don't think it does grammatically, and I don't think it does even in the original language, but I said, let's just say for a moment that, that your perspective is, is right. I, I, let's just say this. These you ought to have done refers to justice, mercy, and faith. I said to him, what does the rest of the verse say? Without leaving the other undone. I got you either way. <laughs> and you know, I'm, I'm joking. I'm not trying to be arrogant about this. I'm just trying to take a, a difficult subject and, and put some humor in. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. You tithe, but you don't do this. You ought to do that. But don't leave this undone. Or you ought to do those things, but don't leave that undone. Either way. I'm sitting here thinking, this is, I just, I'm hoping it's hitting you. I mean, it's Jesus. New Testament. Okay, Hebrews talks about, again, Melchizedek and Jesus and how mortal men receive tithes on this earth. But let me show you what Hebrews says. Talking about Jesus is our Melchizedek. Watch this, Hebrews 7, verse 8. Here, mortal men receives, receive tithes, but there he receives them, of whom it is witness that he lives. Listen, you put your tithe in a plate or offering bag or basket or however the church does where you attend that, that receives that when you give your offering. Here we have boxes most people give online. However it is that you give your tithe, mortal men Take care of it, manage it, things like that. But listen, in heaven, he receives it, of whom it is witnessed, he lives. Jesus Christ receives my tithes. That makes me want to tithe. So uh, it is biblical, and here's number three. Tithing is a blessing. Tithing is a blessing. Okay, so let me tell you about Second uh, Chronicles 31 now. We're going to read there. So if you put a marker there, Second Chronicles 31. Um, Hezekiah one day is reading the scriptures and he sees these verses about tithing and they're in an economic recession and he realizes we're under a curse, the whole nation, because we're not tithing, we're, we're stealing from God. So that's where we pick up this story, Second Chronicles 31 verse four. Moreover, he commanded the people who dwelt in Jerusalem to contribute support for the priests and the Levites that they might devote themselves to the law of the Lord. Now, just, one, just, just stop for just a moment. Um, remember, Malachi said, bring the tithe in the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And again, they were talking about natural food. But think about it today, spiritual food. Right, let me just ask you something, all right? Do, when, you, when you come to church, do you enjoy the food, the spiritual food that you get? Do you enjoy it? Okay, someone's paying for it. Now, I know I'm being blunt. I'm not trying to be blunt. I'm not trying to be offensive in any way. I'm, I'm just, just a reality. Someone's paying for this building. Someone's paying for utilities. Someone's paying for the staff salaries. Someone's paying, not, not just for me to devote myself to the Word of God and to bring messages, but for uh, all the staff, for the youth ministry, for children's ministry, women's ministry, men's ministry, for the uh, you know, teaching classes, for, for us, we, we have Kairos and Freedom Ministry and all this. Okay, someone's paying for that. 
Hey, let me, so let me ask you a question. Let me just put it in a, talking about food here. Let me give you an analogy. Would any of you here go to a restaurant, eat a meal, and then leave without paying for it? Any of you? Some Christians do that every week. I go to church, eat a meal, and skip out on the check. Here's, here's the sad thing. You're the one that's hurting. I, I don't preach on tithing because the church needs money. We're, we're, we're doing fine financially. We're doing fine. As a matter of fact, speaking just to Gateway Church right now, you're the greatest giving church I've ever known in my life. You're phenomenal. So I'm not doing this because, you know, the elders got together and, we, you know, the budget's down. The budget's up. We're okay. I'm doing this. Listen to me. I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, and I say this before God, I'm doing this because of you. I promise you I'm doing this to help you. This will change your life, your family, your finances, your marriage, your children, your grandchildren. This will change you. I promise you. All right, so he puts out, he says, everyone needs to bring the tithe to the house of God. Now, look at verse five. As soon as the commandment was circulated, the children of Israel brought in abundance the first fruits. Again, I'll show you next week how that relates to the tithe. Of grain and wine, oil and honey, and of all the produce of the field, and they brought in abundantly the tithe of everything. There it is right there showing you it's the tithe. And the children of Israel and Judah who dwelt in the cities of Judah brought the tithe of oxen and sheep. Also the tithe of holy things which were consecrated to the Lord their God. They laid in heaps. In the third month they began laying them in heaps and they finished in the seventh month. Now these months relate to the harvest. Okay. And when Hezekiah and the leaders came and saw the heaps, they blessed the Lord and his people Israel. Then Hezekiah questioned the priests and the Levites concerning the heaps. And Azariah, the chief priest from the house of Zadok, answered him and said, Since the people began to bring the offerings into the house of the Lord, again, the tithe always comes, goes to the house of God, we have had enough to eat and have plenty left, for the Lord has blessed his people. And what is left is this great abundance. Okay, here's what happens. Uh, the, the king sends out the, this uh, commandment and says, we're, we're supposed to be tithing to the house of God. So the people begin doing it. They begin in the third month, which is a harvest time, but then there's another harvest, the seventh month, and they continue through that time. And, and so when the king comes to visit and he sees these heaps, heaps that the people brought to the house of God, here, here's what in essence he says. It says he questioned them about the heaps. Here's what he's saying. Are the people okay? Are they okay? I mean, look, look how much they've given. Or do they have enough left? And the priest said, oh, king, as soon as the people started to do it God's way, God so blessed them. What you're seeing here is just the 10%. If you think there are heaps here, go look at the 90%. Go look at how God blessed his people when they begin obeying his word. Uh, I've been in ministry now for over 30 years. I've heard two testimonies for that time about tithing consistent testimonies. You know, Scripture says in the mouth of two or three witnesses. Okay, here are the two testimonies people have said to me. Tithers 
consistently have said to me, we are so blessed. Boy, it all changed when we began tithing. We are so blessed, Pastor Robert. We are so blessed. That's what tithers have said. Here's what non-tithers have said. I can't afford to tithe. That's their testimony. I can't afford to tithe. And, and again, not mean, not rebellious people, just I can't afford to tithe. Listen to me. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what breaks the curse and rebukes the devourer. As soon as you start to get ahead, something else will break. Because the devourer. But tithing is what rebukes him. Okay. Um, let me give you one more illustration. Um, Jason and Steve and Todd, will, will you guys stand up? And if you guys will move down kind of toward Todd there uh, so that they can, everyone can get, a, you can get a shot of them for the other campuses and churches and all. Okay. Um, uh, I'm going to give you an illustration. Let's say that I say to these three men, I'm, I'm going to go away for a while. And, um, and I've provided for Debbie, but I want to provide some additional funds for her. But I want to channel or funnel those funds through you three men. So I'm going to send all, each of you $10,000 a month, okay? <laughs> Jason, don't get that excited. This is just an illustration. Um, <clears throat> okay. So uh, I'm talking to Debbie Everett, and I say it to, to you, but I want you to give Debbie 10% of it, $1,000 a month. And you can keep the 90%. Just give my wife 10%. So I'm talking to Debbie every day and, and letting her know, you know, it's an extended trip, but I'll be back in several months. I have to be gone. And after about three months, I, I think about these other funds. And I say, hey, how are the funds coming in from the, the three guys? You know, and uh, she said, well, uh, Jason sends $1,000 a month. Just like you said. As a matter of fact, it arrives like January 1st, February 1st. I mean, he's like clockwork. It's $1,000. So good, good job. Okay. Um, I said, well, what about Steve? She said, well, Steve is sending $2,000 a month. I said, $2,000 a month? I didn't ask him for $2,000 a month. I just asked him for $1,000 a month. I know. I said, well, why is he sending $2,000? I don't know. He just sends $2,000 a month. Hmm. I said, well, what about Trader? Uh, Todd, sorry. <laughs> Todd. <clears throat> I said, what, what, what about Todd? She said, well, we, we need to talk about Todd. I said, well, why? What, what's Todd doing? Well, the first month he sent 700. The second month, 400. And this last month, he didn't send anything. Okay. Now I want you to think about this. Think about this. How do you think that makes me feel? And I'm giving him the 10,000. It's coming from me. And I just asked him for 10% for my wife. He can keep the 90%. Okay, what do you, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to send him any more money because he's proven to me he can't be trusted. And I'm going to take what I'm giving him and I'm going to give it to Steve and Jason because they've proven they can be trusted. Okay, you, you guys can sit down. Okay, now think about this. Jesus said, I'm going away for a while. Is that right? I'm going away, but I'm coming back. But while I'm gone, I want you to take care of my wife. 10%. You can keep the 90. Um, let me just, just remind you, is the church the bride of Christ? Okay, listen to me very carefully. Tithing might be more personal to Jesus than what you thought. 
because it's his wife. He has the power, and if you say, well, I can't believe you just take it away and give it to the others. If you don't think Jesus would do that, read the parable of the talents. When he took from the one that wasn't faithful and gave it to the one who was faithful. He wants to provide for you. But why would he provide and bless people who will not even be concerned about his wife? It's a test, and it's very important we pass this test. The reason that Robert Morris teaches this, the reason that we teach this principle is because shame on us if we didn't teach the Word of God, if we didn't give people the truths and the principles and the keys for them to walk in the full blessing of God. Shame on us if we didn't do that. When I think back on all the things that the Lord has done for me, when I think back on how richly the Lord has provided for me, it's the least that I can do. Listen, this is not a guilt trip. You know that uh, some of you guys are the most giving people I've ever met in my life. And I'm so appreciative of that. We don't uh, manipulate. We don't uh, do anything to try to coerce people to give. I think we're probably as lax and, and pushing on people as any church I've ever been. And we want to teach you the, the truth and the principle. Our giving boxes are on the side. We don't pass a plate here. And I've been to churches where they say, well, if you pass a plate, your giving will go up. Well, I'd rather people understand the truth and have the heart of God than be manipulated or coerced into giving. And so that's why we're teaching you the truth. And if you're not tithing, I, I want to just challenge you. You guys that have been coming here for a while, we've had people give their, their testimony. I've shared time after time after time how God has blessed our life. And he continues to bless. And I want the same for you. Like Pastor Robert was saying, that when we tithe, it, it breaks the curse. And a blessed 90% will go a lot further than a cursed 100%. And again, it's a matter of the heart, guys. We talk about this so often. It's always a matter of the heart. What's our heart? Is it for the Lord? I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. Speaking of the heart. It begins with a relationship with Him. If you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with the Lord, maybe you did it one time and you've walked away, and you know that God is tugging on your heart this morning. Would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. There is no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive everything that the Lord has for you today. Anybody here this morning? God loves you. He wants to bless you. And it begins with receiving his forgiveness for all of your sins. Lord God, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that you so richly want to bless our lives and pour into us. And that we just simply need to receive the key to life. The key to our life is to love God, obey God, and commit to God. And so, Father, I pray this morning that all of us would be challenged in whatever area that we can press in deeper to you, Lord God, that we would yield our life to you, trusting you, walking in faith, allowing you to reach into the deepest recesses of our hearts to bring health and healing and wholeness. God, I pray that you would continue to do that in our lives, and I thank you for such a gracious, giving church, life fellowship that allows us to impact people 
in our local community that allows us to impact people regionally, that allows us to reach people all across the globe because of the giving. Father, we thank you so much for your abundant blessings. And Father, most of all, we thank you for your love for us that is extravagant. In Jesus' name. We're going to, uh, Ariana's going to lead us in a song, and it's Your Love is Extravagant. And before service, I, I looked up that word extravagant because I'm like, I think I know what it means. You think you know what it means? This is what it means. It means unrestrained. Unrestrained. God's love is unrestrained. It's not hindered. It means exceeding what is reasonable or appropriate. God's love exceeds what is reasonable or appropriate. It's a crazy kind of love that God has for us, that God has for you. This morning, as, as Ariana leads us in worship, if you have a prayer request or a need, Christine and I'll, I will be up here, and we'd love to pray with you. If not, just enter into that place of worship and, and ask the Lord what he has for you this morning, what he's speaking to you. And if there's areas of your life where you're not yielding to him, and I'm not just talking about money and the tithe, I'm talking about our whole life. Listen, God requires all, he requires a lot more than 10%. For those of us that are committed disciples of Christ, he's saying give it all. And when we give it all, he will give back to us. He will pour through our lives in a way that will go beyond your wildest dreams, I promise you. So let's just take a few minutes and seek him and allow him to wash over us. And if you want prayer, Christine and I will be here. You know, the Lord wants to pour out his blessings not, upon, not only upon us, but on the people around us. I want to thank you for yielding to the Lord and allowing him to speak to you this morning. And I want you to continue to come on Sunday mornings. I want you to, to continue to come on Wednesday night to the Bible study. And uh, men, uh, Christine mentioned the, the men's conference coming up. I, I really want you to go. It's, it will be life-changing. I think the value, part of the value when the women go to their conference is not only the material and, and the teachings, but the, the time of relationship building that they have as women to build those relationships. And, you know, one of our mottos here at Life Fellowship is life-giving, life-changing, life relationships relationships require spending time together and as the men of this church or the leaders of your home as the leaders of your community we need to build those relationships so we can encourage encourage one another and strengthen one another so we'll be leaving on a thursday morning uh, around mid-morning staying friday coming back saturday after lunch we'll be returning here we'll be here after lunch and uh so i want you to to really go uh, i really do i want you to pray about it I believe I have a word from the Lord for you that you're supposed to go. So, men, if you're a part of Life Fellowship, I want you to go. Uh, before we dismiss, I, I just wanted to remind you about the book. Christine and I will be up here. If you didn't get a book last week, uh, please take one. Again, the only requirement is that I'm asking you to read it. These books are not for your neighbors to hand out. They're for us first. And if we have some left over, then we can do that maybe. But I want, this is for, you have to be present to get one of these, okay? So I want you to come and get one. <clears throat> we have uh, a few more left, so if you don't have one, please come get one, but commit to reading it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and here's the, <clears throat> excuse me, the clipboard. 
for the men that have already registered for the conference. I'll leave it on the front row. Please just uh, put your name and, and your cell number or email address on here so that I'll have a, uh, a contact and also I'll have a, a list of you guys that are going because in a couple of weeks I'm going to have to let them know how many rooms that we're going to reserve and I'm going to have to release those that we're not uh, using. So please sign up. Um, with that, and the EXO Conference, yes, please sign up. Listen, guys, uh, as Pastor Christine mentioned, we're not charging anything for that. We're having to pay a, a pretty hefty little sum for that. But we believe in marriage so strongly that we want to present this, not only to Life Fellowship, but to the community. And so we want you to reach out and let people know about the EXO Conference. We're going to have a great time. It will be wonderful material. And uh, we've had, in the past, we've done this, and we've had several people from the community come. We've seen... You know, lives and, and marriages healed and restored. Listen, guys, we want to empower you and equip you and see you come to a healthy place in the Lord, whether it be individually or in your marriage or whatever that looks like. So everything that we do is to drive us to a more intimate relationship with Christ. We're providing everything that we know to do to help you in that. Tonight at 4 o'clock is the congregational meeting. If you want to know where we're going and, and uh, where we're headed, where we come from, come. Listen, uh, Pastor Robert was talking about Gateway. They, they, don't, they don't need any money because they have such a giving congregation. I want to talk to you about where we're going. And we have some exciting things here. We're saving up all that we can to, to buy a building when the Lord opens up that door. And uh, we're doing well. I, I know probably where almost every dollar goes where every dollar is spent, and we're, I'm watching it like a hawk. We're very, very uh, good stewards with your money, and if you want to know where it's going, come tonight. Listen, we don't have anything to hide. Through your giving, your gracious giving, we are, God is doing amazing things, and I want to share that with you tonight, so that's at four o'clock. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so very much for your great abundance. Thank you for touching our lives. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for using us to reach a lost and dying world. And Father, as we go from this place this morning, help us to walk in the abundance of life, the fullness of what you called us to, and help us to be world changers, making a difference in the lives of the people all around us. And we pray with expectation in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us this morning. We'll see you soon. Go out and...